Welcome to Trailblazing with Corbett Price, where we present new and fresh perspectives that challenge how you approach change to solve some of the biggest challenges faced by business and government leaders today. Here's our host, Andy Corbett, to introduce our second series on embracing organisational change. Hello everyone, Andy Corbett here, Managing Director of Corbett Price, and I just wanted to welcome you to Series 2 of our Trailblazing with Corbett Price podcast. Our second series will discuss how organisational leaders can approach, manage and embrace uncomfortable but necessary change. We have a stellar lineup of trailblazers to help us navigate these discussions over the next five weeks. So recapping briefly on series one about organizational health and the seven dimensions of wellness, we spoke with leading experts in their fields across each of these dimensions with the themes of agility, resilience, adaptiveness, reframing, and purpose resonating our conversations. And as we dive deeper into these conversations, the underlying currents for improving an organization's overall wellness was the need for change. Change in how we lead and empower others to create a positive workforce culture. Change in how we view and adopt new technologies. Change in how we frame and structure resources to realize efficiencies and boost productivity. So what are the leading uncomfortable changes that organizational leaders must embrace? Well, across the next five weeks, we will be tackling five significant transformational changes that organizations must embrace to succeed now and into the future. They are shifting mindsets and leading to empower employees, adopting new technologies responsibly, optimizing service delivery for customers, realizing diversity, equity, and inclusion aspirations, and finally, playing the new talent game attracting, retaining, and reducing employee attrition. Today in our first episode, we'll discuss ways organizations can overcome the mindset hurdle and embrace a new type of leadership to engage and empower their workforce. It's well documented and and present in our work for our clients at Corbett Price that one of the makes or breaks in implementing a successful transformation project is overcoming the cultural roadblock. And that's both at an individual and an institutional level. In an article written for the McKinsey Quarterly, research showed that leaders who focused on mindsets were four times more likely to rate their change programs as successful compared to those who didn't address mindsets. Series one of our podcast uncovered key attributes leaders must have today to face continuing uncertainty. These included creating a clear purpose and staying true to it, a belonging strategy, and a shift to empowering teams. So how can today's leaders change how they engage, empower, and include their workforce in strategic decisions for their organization? Here to help me discuss this today is Steve Brady. Steve is the Managing Director of TAFE New South Wales. He has more than 20 years of experience in executive leadership within the private and public sectors and across a diverse range of New South Wales government agencies. This includes New South Wales Treasury, Departments of Premier and Cabinet, Revenue New South Wales and New South Wales Department of Customer Service. Steve's committed to driving innovation in the public sector through a focus on customer and community, 
working with industry to achieve mutually beneficial outcomes, enhancing the economic contribution of agencies and delivering strong financial stewardship. In his current role, Steve is responsible for ensuring TAFE New South Wales is the leading provider of vocational training, supporting the evolving needs of industry and learners in a rapidly changing economy. Steve, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for inviting me along. Absolute pleasure. So look, Steve, I think it's fair to say you've had an exceptional career. Uh, and I'd say that we'd probably need far more than our brief chat today to cover off everything. Um, but I think I think we should really begin the conversation on um, your current role, and that being Managing Director of TAFE New South Wales. And so the first area I'd like to dive into is customer focus. And I think it's really clear from TAFE New South Wales strategic plan that a strong commitment of the organization is around meeting the evolving needs of your customers. And so my first question is, can you provide some examples of of what those evolving needs are? Thanks, Andy. Uh, I think the first point to really start is, you know, who are the customers? Uh, Because unless you've worked that out, then it's very hard to understand what their needs are and therefore how you should focus your efforts uh, in trying to address them. So, for us, we very much think about this uh, in as being the role we play in meeting the, the skills needs of the state. And so we think about our customers as being the industries whose needs, uh, skills needs we try to satisfy. And then secondly, the learners who we're taking on that journey of growth. Uh, so the industry and learners are our two key uh, customer groups but we also reflect that we're an important part of local communities. And so we sort of take that third lens as well. So in terms of evolving needs, uh, industry is going through enormous change at the moment. Uh, The impact of technology in in all of its various forms, uh, the global economy has become so interconnected that things change uh, much more rapidly than did even 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, And so, if we are here to meet their skills needs, then we need to be in tune to what's happening in their environment, uh, what that impact is on them, and therefore, you know, how do we need to adapt so that when we are training people and they, they're completing their courses, they're actually job ready and they're stepping into industry, fully formed, uh, able to contribute from day one and meeting the needs of the, the industry. So um, really critical part of it. Like. I guess one example of that would be uh, at the moment where there's a lot of talk around the green energy transition uh, and the impact that that's going to have uh, right across the economy. And so when we think about it, we're thinking about it in terms of you know, the transition in, in generation, there's the, the impact on distribution, and then there's the usage and how that impacts right across. And uh, so in making that transition, uh, there's an enormous impact on businesses, whether they're, you know, whether they're the transmission organisations or whether they're, you know, in business in the heavy end of of industry, whether that's in, in you know, ammonia and uh, aluminium smelting, which are now big energy uses, or whether it's things as simple as in automotive vehicles uh, and the transition there. Uh, so. You know, some of the numbers that are being quoted for 
just the need for additional electricians to manage that transition of the distribution. Uh, you know, it's thousands and thousands of additional electricians in a situation where we're already struggling to meet the demands of a booming construction sector. Uh, so, you know, that's one example. You know, the, the welding industry will tell you they need 7,000 additional welders to meet the demands of, you know, building the infrastructure needed for wind turbines, for solar farms, etc to meet those demands but you know at the usage end it's it's things like um how do you uh, transition an existing workforce of automotive mechanics so that they understand the dangers and the safe practices in in uh, managing high voltage vehicles uh, so you know, we've partnered with uh, volvo australia to develop some micro skills that help mechanics to understand how to safely uh, service these sorts of vehicles. And so we're working with them in terms of the uh, the rollout of electric buses and uh, the transition of uh, heavy vehicles to electrification. And so that's just one small example of where we're uh, seeing those changes flowing through the industry and therefore the skills need to adapt and change. And, you know, as Australia's largest training provider. We need to be there with them. Absolutely, and you you've touched on you touched on a mechanism there for really identifying and navigating how to then meet those needs through the form of partnerships. And um, what what other what other mechanisms and strategies do you use to really truly understand what those needs are and therefore be able to then adapt to meet those needs accordingly? I think it's threefold, Andy. So uh, we are taking an approach where we're trying to gather as much data as we can about what's happening in the economy and community, taking ABS data, the, the National Centre for Vocational Educational Research, taking all their data, whatever data we can get to get that macro picture of what's happening and where demands are shifting across the, the state. Uh, but we're also trying to engage with local communities. So we've done... Uh, profiles of industry industrial activity across 10 regions in New South Wales uh, to give us a more of a bottom-up view of what's happening. So taking into account things like, you know, where's the inland rail line running? What's that happening? Impact is that having in terms of logistics? Uh, what's it driving in terms of local industrial activity? Um, what's happening in the care sector as the ageing of the population and how's that impacting in, in different parts of the state? Um, taking all those sort of local factors and then stepping into some local business and community engagement. So we get the sort of data drop it, driving a top-down view and then getting that local engagement driving a bottom-up view. That then gives us a much better understanding of what do we need to deliver where to meet those needs. We then do a lot of just direct uh, industry engagement. So we um, have industry reference groups. Uh, we've got industry innovation specialists whose job it is to work with industry uh, constantly to understand what's driving and, and sh shaping uh, their needs. And the last part of that is then some of these big shifts, like I mentioned, uh, renewable energy change. There's the, the what's happening in the, the care sector is the aging of the population as we've got the Royal Commissions into disability and aged care. Uh, we know the big changes that are happening in early childhood education. All those factors are driving a big demand shift in the care sector. And so, you know, there's two examples of really big 
structural changes that are occurring. And so we're developing individual strategies around those big shifts that then help us to take a slightly longer view of, of what's happening and therefore build the supply capability to address those. And with those different strategies that you mentioned around the top down, which is the data, and then the bottom up, which is engaging with local communities, you know, direct industry engagement and so forth, what are, what have the main challenges been in trying to gather the necessary insights together to uh, to make informed decisions on, uh, on on where the demand is or how the how the customer needs uh, are evolving? I think part of it's just getting sufficient yeah. granularity. Um, so you know, most of the statistics stop at a fairly macro level. That's where that local community engagement is so important to really be able to hone in and say, what do we actually need where? Um, the, and making sure that you know, we can talk to industry associations, we can talk to um, the unions, but really getting that insight from individual businesses about what's occurring uh, and then being able to sort of bring that together. So, you know, really important to get the, the macro overlay from the stats, but then really you know, driving into that and saying, well, what are the actual skills that yeah. flow out of that and, and where are they needed? Good. And I, and I think, again, you know, just to, on this on this idea of customer focus, the, the strategy that you've got in place at TAFE, it's very clear that it's very customer centric and that's, that's excellent. Uh, and it's, it's really clear that the, you really wanted to meet the needs of, of the industry uh, customers and learners as well. So you've got that customer perspective and then you've got that more sort of, um, sort of internal perspective now around how do, you, how do you then align your workforce and your operations to support those needs and, uh, and how have the workforce responded to those, to those changes? Uh, probably still a work in progress, um, Andy, to be honest. Um, these things take time. Uh, you know, I, I've mentioned we've got some industry innovation specialists whose full-time role it is to work with industry and bring those insights back to us to then adapt our training packages to help our, our teachers to understand. Um, you know, our teachers are experts out of industry who then moved into teaching to share their knowledge with the next generation. Uh, so how do we uh, help our, our teachers to stay current as well as things shift? So we had a great example um, this week where a bunch of our, our uh, plumbing teachers have gone out into some of the uh, major players in the, in the plumbing sector and spent time with them in their innovation spaces to just make sure that we are there right with them and then we're able to pass that on to the apprentices and the next round of, of trainees that are coming through. One of the really critical things we've done is also try to align our experts across the state. So historically, we would have been uh, set up in individual institutes where each institute uh, had you know, plumbers, hairdressers, uh, carpenters, you know, the full range of, of uh, training uh, delivery that we have at TAFE. Um, and they would have managed within that sort of, that sort of geographical area. Whereas what we're trying to say is actually we want to leverage the best skills in plumbing right across the state and we want those those best skills to then be helping to lift the standard and be able to actually engage more meaningfully with industry at a strategic level uh, so we've actually had what we're calling skills excellence networks where we're getting together those leaders across our different disciplines to work together to provide a much better engagement with industry and then get that innovation flowing through our teaching practice yeah. 
That's great. Thank you. That's great. So, um, and like you say, it's definitely, uh, these things definitely do take time. I know that from it. From uh, experience, it's not an easy thing to to um, to, to change and uh, and evolve in that way. So it's great to hear some great examples of what TAFE are doing in that space. Um, and just on that on that idea of change, we uh, we had an episode in our previous series which was focused on organisational health. It was actually episode two, and uh, and in that we we interviewed Scott Johnston from Revenue New South Wales on agility and resilience. And Scott spoke of how much of the public sector's work is complex and that change can be either slow or it can be fast. Just from your personal experience, whether it's at TAFE or from previous organisations, could you just shed some light on how you managed to keep a, a positive outlook and, uh, and also stay adaptable in the face of change? Yeah, thanks, Andy. Um, um, of course, I, I know Scott quite well and uh, um, his views are spot on. Um, you know, things can change very rapidly or you can be trying to shift large complex organisations that take uh, resilience time and just committed effort to to move them. Um, so to me, there's a few things that are really important about, about um, being able to sustain the change effort. One is uh, obviously to have a clear strategy and vision that that, that speaks to the purpose of the organisation, uh, that then people can understand, uh, you know, in our space, you know, our staff are incredibly passionate about vocational education and what that means for changing people's lives. So for me, it was you know, pretty simple. You, you identify your customers and you say, well, how do, if it's not making it better for the student, then why are we doing it? And so that sort of uh, alignment to people's real purpose and the, the calling that they have, um, easier in a purpose-led organisation like ours, perhaps. Um, but then making sure our plans are ambitious but deliverable. Uh, so if you try to do everything at once, you achieve nothing. So making sure you can break things down and and you can have wins then. You, know, you can celebrate the wins and you want some some small quick wins that you can continue to deliver that, that allow people to celebrate and see the change. And that then helps to build the momentum and the buy-in from people. So I think, you know, the, and that, those celebrations just help to, re, you know, re, restore your energy levels and, Really importantly for me, getting out on on campus and seeing the students and seeing the, talking to the teachers about what's happening and those things are you know you can get caught up in a whole lot of really difficult conversations that start to drain your energy. But going out on and speaking to the customers, uh, you know, speaking to the teachers who are so passionate about what they do, really helps to to restore the energy levels. And so it's those sort of celebrations of the, the wins that you have along the way. Uh, staying connected to your customers and the purpose really helps. Um, you know, the point about agility, really important. Um, it's difficult in large, complex organisations to be agile, uh, but that just, you know, that goes back to having that clarity of purpose, having empowered teams, and then um, you're making sure you've got the data so you can make informed decisions. Um, so you, you're empowering people with the right direction, with the right tools, to do the job and you know, for us we've got a we're just refreshing our strategic plan uh, we set out with a, a three-year plan uh, we do quarterly reviews of progress 
and we do a full annual refresh because you know, no plan survives first contact with the enemy and in this case the enemy is the sort of you know, the bureaucracy and the and the and all the things that get in the way and so you know, that ability to, to keep the plan real and, and relevant so that it continues to focus our effort and drive our attention. Absolutely. And and from a personal perspective, because I can imagine it's quite um uh it's we're actually trying to manage the change itself is could be quite stressful. Do you have any do you have any personal strategies that you have that you could uh that might help others to sort of maintain a, a positive mindset in, in times of change? Um, yeah, like I probably, uh, two things. One is change, um, it's, it's just a natural part of, of any sort of leadership role because the environment we're in, we're in is changing rapidly as we sort of started the conversation. Uh, so it's part of our role to lead change because it's, it's not a choice. It's, it's a fact of uh, you know being in a, a role where you're trying to steward an organisation. You've you you know it's it's inevitable. Uh, so then it's about embracing that change and making sure that you have a focus on on the outcomes and the better state you're trying to lead people towards. And that's really rewarding. I find it you know, something that's uh, incredibly rewarding. Uh, it's hard. Uh, so then taking the time to make sure that you are you know, celebrating those wins, but having the balance in your life. So you've got to be able to put it down, uh, spend time with family and friends, look after your, your, your physical health. Um, so, you know, I, I uh, go sailing and, uh, you know, when you're out on a yacht and you're competing against other boats, you can't be thinking about work. So just having that ability to, to put aside the work for a while, let yourself refresh and then come back yeah. at it. Yeah, I've heard that's a great way of doing it. And I'd like to try and take on sailing at some point in my in my life. So uh, we're getting some tips from you on to how to do that. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's great. And then I think, you know, I think in terms of the actual, um, in terms of the actual strategic plan again, I guess you've got a number of, of uh, really um, strong success outcomes. Um, and I guess one of those is the uh, boundaryless learning networks established with your partners. Uh, so the question is, can you can you share with the audience some best practices you found in successfully collaborating with partners to both co-design and co-deliver training solutions? I'll probably give you give you two examples, Andy. One is uh, the work we've actually been doing with the Department of Customer Service around, and particularly the Building Commissioner. Uh, so the Building Commissioner, as you be aware, has got a huge challenge in trying to improve the standard of particularly residential high-rise buildings. So we've been doing uh, work with them to develop uh, small bite-sized training modules that helps them promote uh, how the regulation impacts uh, the, the sector. So rather than sending out a, a long, tedious policy document, uh, people in, the, in that industry can now come on and do some really small bite-sized pieces of interactive learning that we've developed with the building commissioner uh, that enables them to quickly get up to speed with what's being asked of them. Uh, so a huge cultural shift in terms of how regulators engage with uh, their Customers, I know regulators struggle with the idea of customer, but perhaps with their their industries. Um, 
so th you know, that's one example. The other one would really be at the forefront of where educational delivery is going, and that's our Institute of Advanced Technology Digital, which we've established at Meadowbank. And that's a partnership between uh, digital uh, industry, and particularly uh, our foundation partner, Microsoft, uh, but also uh, TAFE New South Wales with Macquarie University and, and uh, the University of Technology, Sydney. So, and it's a very different model where uh, the higher education and the vocational training have come together and partnered with industry. And when I say partnered with industry, uh, Microsoft has had its sleeves rolled up with us uh, designing content and uh, delivery mechanisms. Uh, so we've uh, rolled out um, a whole bunch of micro skills and micro credentials this calendar year. Uh, we've already trained over 20,000 people uh, in new skills around data, cybersecurity, cloud. Uh, and that's been, been a, a hugely successful partnership. We're taking a very different approach where we've sat down and looked at what are the types of jobs we're talking about? So let's take cybersecurity. What does that job entail? What are the things you need to know? And then actually design the learning around the job. So it becomes very, very um, applied for people who you know, are in their careers. They're thinking they need to deepen their skills in an area like cybersecurity. They can quickly uh, grab some bite-sized pieces to raise their awareness or to really start to build deeper skills by building on component type learning. Uh, so it's been a, a quite a um, innovative program, one where we've uh, put aside some of the, the, the hard barriers that tend to exist between vocational education and universities and actually had the universities and ourselves working hand in glove with uh, the, um, the industry partners. So it's been a fantastic uh, model and one which is being looked at very closely, not only nationally, but internationally. Oh, wow. That's great. Excellent. Excellent. Well, look, Steve, unfortunately, we're, um, we're actually nearing the end of the podcast and we could talk about, uh, we can have this conversation, I think, all day, to be honest. Um, it's great to hear everything and all your insights that you've provided. Uh, but before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts or, or reflections on, on what we've talked about today? Uh, just, Andy, I guess the one thing I would say is, you know, having that laser focus on on, on your customers um, and really what's, and making sure that that flows through everything you do. So, you know, we try to ensure that every decision we're making is making it better for our, our students. Um, and if there's an internal dispute over how something should happen, that should be the, the lens we take to trying to resolve that dispute. Uh, you know, any large organisation needs, you know, sort of be broken up into parts so that it's manageable. And, and often those sort of internal structures can get in the way of outcomes. But if you can bring that customer focus back to things, then it often uh, cuts through some of the sort of internal bureaucracy and, and power structures. So, uh, you know, I think that's really the big thing that's been supporting us at TAFE New South Wales in moving from, um, yes, some historical issues that have stood in the way of the organisation, some outside influences that have sort of clouded the issues. As soon as you get focused on who we're here to support and what are the outcomes we're looking for, then the rest of it sort of tends to fall into line. Not to say it's easy, but it just, it does provide a lot more clarity. 
that focus point is so true for all organizations, isn't it? Just to really provide that clarity so they've got something to work towards. And so, yeah, that's great. Thanks, Steve. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the on the show today. Um, we really appreciate the time you've taken out of your busy schedule. Uh, and as always, your perspectives on how organizations can uh, can sort of embrace change is, uh, has been extremely insightful as well. So I'm sure all of our listeners have gained a lot from it. I know I certainly have. And uh, I just want to thank you once again for coming on the podcast. Thanks for the invitation, Andy. Great to catch up. We hope you enjoyed listening to Steve Brady today and found his insights and approaches valuable. The full transcripts of this episode is available to download from our website, which is www.corbettsprice.com.au forward slash podcast. That's www.corbettsprice.com.au forward slash podcast. Please tune in next week as we talk with the prolific global public sector expert, Pia Andrews, on the second transformational change of adopting new technologies responsibly. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.